A Fork on the Road is brought to you by GoDaddy. Well, they have everything you need to put your business online, find new customers, and kick butt online. They started by registering... says kick ass online. I don't want to say ass. But that's what GoDaddy wants you to say. No, I don't want to say GoDaddy's all that. about ass. Have you not seen Danica Patrick? She's fabulous. She is. Right, you can get you started by registering a domain name and creating your website with GoDaddy's easy-to-use website builder. Already have a site? Keep it running fast with GoDaddy web hosting. It's go time. Visit, Visit GoDaddy.com. Enter promo code FORK32 and save 32% on your new purchases. Some limitations apply. Always, with See everything. See the website for details and then get ass kicking online. Get butt kicking with GoDaddy. Whatever. Another edition of A Fork on the Road Show. I am travel guru and expert Mark DiCarlo, and next to me is the lovely and talented traveling diva, Yeti Alvarez. Got a great show for you today. It's all about summer loving. Summer loving. Summer's here, and there's no better time to have a nice romantic weekend or vacation. People are have a little more free time, and it's a great time to go out and enjoy your life. Last week, we talked about going to Las Vegas for the mm-hmm. 4th of July and gave you all the info and all the hookups uh, with our buddy Michael Politz from FNB101.com. FNB101.com? Uh, Food and Beverage Magazine. It gets 3 million readers a week. Everyone knows who he is. So if you're going to go to Vegas for the 4th of July, go listen to our show last week or go listen to any of our shows. You can find them at a aforkontheroadshow.com. Uh, this week, it's all about fun, sexy things to do in the summer, and we have two great guests. First of all, arguably, the greatest guitar player on the planet, Derek Trucks, from the Tedeschi Trucks Band and the Allman Brothers, sat down with me for a nice long half-hour conversation last week in Chicago. You must have been in hog heaven. Uh, He is fan-fucking-tastic. He is an incredible guitar player. And you know what? To be honest, I didn't know how good of an interview he'd be because he seems very shy and not talkative on stage. Shy? He's a performer. Yeah, but he he doesn't. He's not a performer like Jimi Hendrix or Stevie Ray Vaughan. He kind of lays back and he seems very under control. Great interview. Uh, he and his wife, Susan Tedeschi, a, a musical you also love. superstar in her own right, formed their own band about four years ago after touring separately for about 10 years. And now the Tedeschi Trucks Band is a huge festival favorite. They tour all over the world. And he gets to travel with his wife. And I think he's got the best job on the planet. He plays music. He travels with his wife and his family. He goes all over the world and has a great time with his friends. And he's joining us on this episode, Derek Trucks, right here on A Fork on the Road. Because nothing better to do in the summer than go traveling with your love and hearing some good music. We also... Speaking of love. Mm -hmm. And travel. Found a pilot out of Cincinnati, Ohio, who takes people up to join the Mile High Club. Well, that's not... uh, True. It's a romantic flight of fancy. He goes up only 5,000 feet, so he he has to go up to 5,200 feet in order for it to be the Mile High Club. Uh, Captain Dave will be joining us from Flamingo Air in Cincinnati to tell us all about... Uh, his weird and wacky world of bringing people into the air so that they can have romantic wink, wink rendezvous. For we have so many questions for hour. him. So it's all about love and fun in the summer. I have a birthday in the summer, and I've always loved the summer because a, you're never in school. It's always warm. You can go out and play whenever you want to, and it's a great time for little, little getaways and 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 fun things to do in the summer. What do you have any cool getaways? ideas, things. Uh, we're going to be in San Francisco next week. Yes, San Francisco. Um, I am looking forward to the Chinatown because I want to go and check it out. Here, the Chinatown is kind of small in Los Angeles. Oh, it's immense up there. And, uh, and it's, New York Chinatown, Chinatown is, San Francisco is right next to Italian Town. It's ginormous. Italian Town. We, we're going to go by uh, Sodini's. Oh, Sodini's. I love that place. That is such great food. Great home style uh, Italian place in San Francisco called Sodini's. It's kind of like uh, Jack Dempsey's joint in the Bronx. Oh, she just gave me a quizzical look. What do you mean? 
Jack Dempsey's Joint in the Bronx. It's an Italian restaurant. What famous thing happened there? I don't know. Rocky? No. Jesus. No, that's where Salazzo, that's where where the Turk and the police captain got shot by Michael before he had to go to Sicily to escape. That's very summer loving. (laughs) It's in Baby Godfather 1. Very, very romantic. It's rom-com. We could be talking about the Russian Civil War and we could fit in the Godfather somehow. Yeah, it's rom-com. Anyway, so Dini's is a great place. We'll be up there next weekend. But right now we're talking about summer getaways. Summer is a great time to go and listen to live music. And there are a couple of really great apps that I use all the time to help you track your favorite artists and know when they're going to be in your town. My favorite is called Jam Bass. Mm -hmm. And you type in the name of your favorite band and where you live and then it keeps track of their tour schedule. So I've got like 15 or 20 bands in my jam base and whenever they're doing a show near me, I get a little email. Also, if you're traveling, you can put in the zip code where you are at that moment and it'll tell you, hey, of your 20 favorite bands, there's three bands that are playing a show locally. You can go see them. But you're more about the music. So you track it well, is by there a, your Is there a better artists. night when you're in Los Angeles? Is there a better night than sitting at the Hollywood Bowl when it's 75 degrees outside listening to music? No, I mean, it's great, but you, you're you all about the music. I'm all about the different experiences. For example, my favorite thing to do is to go on either, because every city has one. There's this newsletter that tells you all the events that are going to happen in the summer, and it gives you art, it gives you concerts, it gives you weird things that you wouldn't even think of, mm-hmm. not just music. It's called, the one that I use over here is Elliest. But the, all the major Spell cities, it. LAist, L-A-I-S-T dot mm-hmm. com. But all the major cities have them. For example, the one in New York is Gothamist. Okay. And it tells you everything that's going on. You can uh, get on their newsletter and you get um, a weekly newsletter of things that are going on. Um, and you find out about all the local events, but also all local news. And speaking of local news, another thing that I like to do, because I don't listen, I don't I don't really like watching the news because it depresses me. That's There's the this point. Great, no, hush. I always wanted to have a place where I could go to that gives me happy news. I don't want to be depressed. I don't want to know, you know, a cat died because of blah, blah, blah. I want to know good and happy things and great things that are happening to great people. I so don't there's want a... to hear bad things because it makes no. me sad. No, I like my pink bubble. Well, baby, if, no, if there's enough a people website. live in a pink bubble, then democracy crumbles. I don't care. I like my pink bubble. There's a website called happynews.com. Oh, geez. Do you have to drink Kool-Aid to uh, subscribe to it? No, but come on. Like, uh, ma- the uh, old magazine is fantastic, yeah, that's too. Yeah, a good magazine. All right. Well, so uh, that uh, ist, the ist LA list is great. Another... LAist, Gothamist, and major cities, find the one for yours and uh, find a fantastic event. Mm-hmm. And another way to find fantastic events is to follow us on social media. I am Mark DeCar. On Twitter at Mark DeCarlo, and I'm also Mark DeCarlo TV on Instagram. I love. I really. I don't really like the Twitter so much. I'm liking the Instagram because I can take funny pictures and then say snarky things, and then people see them. I also post uh, whenever we get uh, airplane discounts or hotel discounts or secret codes that no one's supposed to know. I like secret codes. Um, you can save money uh, with the um, Hotel Tonight app if you use our code, which is M DeCarlo five. You get twenty five dollars off your first booking. That's a great app if you just want to pick up on a Friday and go somewhere this summer. Go to Hotel Tonight. Use that app. You'll get hotels for 50% off what you would normally Yeah, we're going to be using that uh, on the 4th of July, so we'll let you know how that goes. Yes, we are. Well, I've already used it several times, and it works great. So follow us on Twitter, at Mark DiCarlo, and on Instagram, Mark DiCarlo TV. And I'm on Twitter, I'm at Traveling Diva, and Instagram, Yenny Alvarez. All right, so let's bring out our first guest. This guy started playing professionally and touring when he was nine years old. He grew up in northern Florida. He's the nephew of Butch Butch Trucks, who is the drummer for the Allman Brothers Band. The Allman Brothers celebrating their 45th anniversary this year and sadly announced that they are disbanding after this year. This is a fantastic band. If you've never seen the Allman Brothers live right now, Greg Allman's on keyboards, Oteil Bainbridge is on the bass, and Warren Haynes and Derek Trucks are the two guitar players up front. And they're they're fantastic. They're a great Southern rock band. Um, Really, there's no analog for them in the music business. Maybe the Grateful Dead, but the Grateful Dead had a more hippie-ish following. These guys mm-hmm. are fantastic. And uh, Derek Trucks has had his own band um, since he was 16. 
Now he and his wife, Susan Tedeschi, have formed the Tedeschi Trucks Band. They've won four Grammys already. They're going strong. I was in Chicago last weekend, and I had a chance to go backstage and talk to Derek about his music, about his life, about his romantic time touring the world with his wife, and about all the little nooks and cranny food places he likes to go to when he's on the road. So this is our interview with Derek Trucks from the Tedeschi Trucks Band. Backstage at the uh, Northerly Pavilion in Chicago on a kind of a nice, muggy Chicago spring day. Not bad. The clouds are keeping the direct sunlight away, which is nice. <laughs> Good breeze. Uh, we like to talk to people that travel a lot, and I can't think of anybody that travels more than musicians. And you've been doing it since you were, what, 11 is the first time you hit the road full-time? Nine years old, actually. So Wow. And probably at the peak, we were doing close to 300 shows a year, so... Still at this point, it's 150, 200 days on the road traveling, so it's nonstop. Wow. <laughs> and But you, you grew up in a musical family, right? Your uncle plays with the Allman Brothers? Yeah. I mean, when I was growing up as a kid, I was I knew about it, but I wasn't around it. My dad was a roofer. My mom taught at the elementary school I went to, so we were, we were homebodies until I started playing and traveling. And growing up in Florida, were you a Tom Petty fan? Who were the, who were the guitarists that caught your ear when you were young? You know, it was Dwayne Almond. It was the Almond Brothers and that Layla record. And right. Um, by nine years old, I was pretty heavily into that music. And then a lot of blues players like B.B. King and Elmore James and Albert King and, you know. The, Stevie? The greats. A, a little bit, not as much, you know. I, I think at that point, Stevie Ray was out. I definitely listened to him a bit, but there were so many uh, Stevie Ray clones that I think I probably avoided it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Every bar I played as a kid, there was uh, there was somebody with the hat on and the the get up and and horrible chops, but yeah, they looked a lot like yeah, it. Yeah, right? so uh, un- unfortunately, I, I think by listening to his clones, I I didn't listen to him as much. But you know, there was definitely a time where I got into it and, and certainly appreciate what he did and and when he did it. Right. So. You have such a unique style. It's like part chainsaw and part. Uh, <laughs> There's such a delicate nuance to a lot of the stuff you play, especially on the studio albums. Why why did you go with the slide? And, and <clears throat> I, I always love the sound of the slide and the way it could it's emulate. So southern. Yeah, and the way it could emulate a, a human voice, you know, almost like a female gospel singer. And then you know the music I was into it was it was usually that combination of delicate melodies, but this fury. <laughs> you know, <I> think <laughs> Dwayne Almond had that. Um, a lot of the the horn players I ended up listening to, a lot of the blues guys were that way too. Like they could bring it down to a whisper and really, really milk it, really pull the emotion out of a melody or a tune. And I, I always appreciated that. The guys that could use the full dynamic range, um, kind of pull you along for the ride and, and really tell you a story um, with an instrument, you know, without words. And so I was always intrigued by that. And later on, listening to. Uh, Indian classical music and other things. I, I think it just it, it emphasized that even more. Kind of the way Harrison brought that kind of Eastern yeah. backspin to the Beatles because it, it, it sneaks. No one else on the planet sounds like you. You know, I, I was fortunate. I mean, I was on the road at a young age and surrounded by great musicians, whether they were unknown veteran musicians from the the North Florida blues scene at the time, or people that I ended up running into later. Um, but, you know, you always have to have your ears open. And um, I remember early on, maybe 14 years old, um, maybe even a little younger, but running into Colonel Bruce Hampton in, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. He's a great guy, though. Yeah, Colonel was amazing. And he turned me on to a lot of things that, that changed the way I heard music and the way I played music, from John Coltrane to Sun Ra to Ali Akbar Khan, a lot of music that I don't think I would have come across until much later in life. So... I, those influences came early, and they came, I think, when I was most open to it. You know, when you're when you're 15 and 16, you're you're kind of on this search, and a lot of people rebel. They go through that rebellious stage at that time, and I think for me, that was just going into this really esoteric music and things that maybe not a lot of people were listening to. Um, so I think I was 
I was well served by that. I was I was lucky to be around the right people at the right time. Well, and Colonel Bruce is one of those people that is so immensely talented and on a completely different wavelength than yeah. most people. Yet he's not famous, right? You, you... Yeah, I mean, he's kind of this southeastern musical guru to a lot of people. Um, he always compares himself to a minor league baseball coach. <laughs> he's like, he, <laughs> he takes brings all the guys to the yeah, major, man, right? and he yeah. breaks all the bad habits, and he and he turns you on to the right stuff and puts you on the right track. And there's been a lot of a uh, lot of great prospects come through the Colonel Bruce School. <laughs> you know, we're playing with widespread panic today. Jimmy Herring came through uh-huh. the Colonel Bruce School. Actually, that whole band did. Um, but that, it's it's amazing how many people the Colonel has uh, has turned out <laughs> of his school and it's you're like never school, oh, yeah, right? and you're never the same anybody that's that's been to the colonel bruce school is forever changed it's a it's a, a unique fraternity <laughs> did you originally meet oteal through him or absolutely yeah at, at 12 years old i played with the aquarium rescue unit and the colonel would always drag me on stage and a few times he left me on stage we'd be in the middle of a tune and you have people in the band peel out one by one until i was by myself <laughs> finishing the show by myself <laughs> so he you know he would he'd put you on the spot and make you make you do your thing but that's where i met jimmy herring uh, jeff sipe O'Teal, um kofi burbridge who's in this band uh, that was all through uh, colonel and that's kind of a blues tradition i, I know buddy guy for the last couple of years has been taking quinn sullivan around with him yeah. where you've got an established <clears throat> megastar mentoring a young guy it's important you know and uh, why is it more prevalent seemingly in in blues and roots music than in more popular music because i think more popular music is generally it's bs fabricated <laughs> it's like, bullshit it is and you kind of have you have to protect the brand and it's not about music and it's not about passing it on and and real musicians care about where it came from and they care about where it's going and they care about keeping the tradition alive and someone like I mean, Buddy Guy was, he was great to me when I was a kid. I did shows with him at 11 or 12, and he'd bring you on stage, and he'd put you through the paces, and you'd learn a lot. And he, you know, he, he took me under his wing. He took Susan under his wing at, at, when she first played with him. BB's been that way. The, really, the, the, the real greats, the true greats, are they're usually pretty open to that. Even, even Clapton was that way when I went on the road with him. I was, it was later in life for me. I was early 20s. Um, but he, <laughs> that's later in life. Well, I guess at that point. But he, you know, he fully, I mean, he knows what he's doing when he has me or Doyle Bramhall out on tour and he, he's given us solo space in front of these crowds that would have never seen us otherwise. And, you know, he knows he's in a way passing the torch. And, he, and you know, he does that with a lot of people. And it, it is a blues tradition. I think jazz is that way too. Well, it's kind of like what the Stones did with Muddy Waters back in the late 60s. They took him on tour to yeah. Europe and he had a whole renaissance a second career yeah and and with that you know it's 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 paying homage to guys that you maybe took it from <laughs> so it's a, but it's the same it's the same idea it's like you you appreciate the tradition and whether you're bringing up people that are coming after you and trying to teach them the way or if you're lucky enough to have a platform um you you go back and you and you share that with people that you that you learn from and i, I think that's a that's an important part of of what we're trying to do as well mm-hmm. you know we just we just did this super jam down at Bonnaroo and they they called me about curating this thing and my first thought was let's get some unsung heroes out there got people that these crowds wouldn't know and it was James Gatson the great drummer that's on all all that Marvin Gaye stuff and that Bill Withers band and Willie Weeks one of the great all-time bass players and Taj Mahal and David Hidalgo from Los Lobos and Shaka Khan it was a pretty amazing group of people wow. but it was good to get those people in front of an audience that has heard them but doesn't know who they are. <laughs> you right. know, they, they know the music just because it's been borrowed and passed down, but they, they don't know the where it came from. So that, that's an important thing to do. We've done live episodes from the Jazz Fest in New Orleans the last two years, and you guys, you haven't played there. Greg yeah. was there last year, I think. We'll get back to it. You know, we, we've been on the road quite a bit, so I, I think we were actually overseas both times. Oh, really? Yeah, we were... I think in Japan one year, and then this year we were in Europe. So, okay. Yeah. So you grow up idolizing the Almond Brothers. Uncle's in the band, so I'm sure you meet these guys. Tell me the story of how you got tapped to join this iconic band. You know, it's funny, because when I was really young playing, I would do Almond Brothers covers with blues bands, and about the time I put my solo band together, around 14, 15 years old, um, I started kind of peeling away from that. I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to. I wanted to find something else. So 
I, I think when I was getting the furthest away from that music is when I got the call to join them. <laughs> you know, we, we were almost an instrumental avant-garde trio at the point that I got the call to join the band. Definitely jazzy. Your early <clears throat> records, yeah. uh, the Derek Trucks band, Soul Serenade, very kind of different, certainly different than the Alma Brothers and different than what you're doing now. Yeah, but I, And that was a conscious choice, you're saying? Yeah, and I mean, it was the music I was into at the time and, st- you know, still am, but I, I think it... It pulled me full circle. I came back to it, and I think had I not done that, I, I wouldn't have been the right guy for the job. I, you know, because all those guys, Dwayne, Jamo, Dicky, in the early days, they were all listening to a lot of other music, and that's what made their music so expansive in inside of that blues rock scene. Right. The stuff they were doing was pushing pushing the boundaries, definitely pushing the edges out, and. Uh, that's because that's the music they were listening to. They were listening to Rasan Roland Kirk and John Coltrane records and Pharaoh Sanders. And when they were riding down the road in the Winnebago, it wasn't. They weren't listening to uh, fellow fellow Southern rockers. <laughs> <laughs> that term didn't exist. There were no other bands doing it. So, uh, you know, the, that I, luckily for me, that that path that I was on when I got the call to to audition um, was probably what I needed to do to to be the right guy for the job. What you what you audition with? Do they say uh, have a couple Almond Brothers tunes and just come in and play? Nah, they sent me the the whole songbook and you know show up in Sarasota and it, it was pretty much we think you're the guy and unless you tank it then <laughs> we're gonna do this. But you know Tom Dowd was down there and the whole band and I show up and we. And you're how old at this point? 18? Eighteen, maybe nineteen. Just turned nineteen, and you know so I did a few months on the road with my solo band every night after the show every day just listening to Almond Brothers records and. <laughs> writing out charts and taking notes and learning everything I wanted to show up prepared and so yeah you just show up and they put you through the paces and you know it was you could feel pretty quickly that it was it felt right you know there's something magical about when you and Warren are on stage and working together can you talk a little bit about that it's it I, I saw Stevie Ray a lot I've seen a lot of what I think are really great musicians and some of them get to a point where it seems to me like you're not you're not in control anymore. Yeah, and it's like it's coming through you. Is it? That's what you is hope. That accurate? Absolutely. On a good night, that's the way it is. You know, you uh, you can kind of step aside and almost almost listen and watch it yourself. And it's not every night, but on a good night, it's that way. And with me and Warren, it took some time because when I joined the band, it was me and Dickie Betts for a year and a half, then it was me and Jimmy Herring for a year, and then when Warren stepped back in, we had both essentially played the same role opposite Dickie. You know, uh-huh. Dickie was one half of that two guitar tandem and Dickie had a very specific sound so when Dickie came in he was playing the Dwayne parts when I came in I was playing that role Um, so it took us a while to kind of reinvent the two guitar role in the band because your sounds are very different yeah well it it became that way I think in the beginning they were probably closer Um, but after time and after after knowing each other and I'd known Warren since I was 12 or 13 really? as well. Yeah. Is he Maybe. from Florida as well? No, but when they when they did the 89 reunion, they were down recording in South Florida and the band I was playing with played this little club and Greg and the guys came out. So I think I was 11 at the time. That's the first time I played with them. Um, so I met Warren then and then the first ever government mule gig, my solo band played with him in Macon, Georgia. So I I had been around him quite a bit, more than anybody else in the band probably. So uh so, you know, it was it was nice when he when he rejoined the fold, and I forget what year it was, maybe 2001, 2002. We had a history, um, but it it took time. It took being on the road for a few years together and really relearning that music from a different perspective. But the last five or six years, it really hit its stride and it became second nature, and it it became very conversational, which is nice. Your shows are just so. I don't think spontaneous is the right word, but just fresh and different. And you've got this canon of American music that everybody knows. But each night that I've and I've seen you guys many times, it's like different and so full of uh, life. Does it have to go away? Can't you guys just do maybe <laughs> ten gigs a year, keep well, the Beacon gig, and maybe do a couple festivals? You know, for me, the idea is I want it. At least I want my part of it to end when it is full of life. I don't. I don't want it to to not be that way I don't want to be on stage and have that feeling like you know what I'm going to work yeah I don't ever I don't ever want to have that non-inspired time on stage because I because me personally I'm not an actor (laughs) (laughs) I cannot fake it musically like it's got to be right and and it's still that way but I've I feel like one of the things you learn from 
being a band leader and from doing this for so long is you start to see around the corner. You start to you start to feel when when things are maybe coming to the, their end, and it's a, it's a tough thing because it is it's a forty five year institution and it's it's still firing. And, and, <laughs> yeah. But you know, time is catching up, and I I, I want it to go out on time. Yeah, I want it to go out the way I think Dwayne would want it to go out, and the way that original band, what they envisioned the band to be about, which is no compromise. The music will never be compromised, and and I can say since I've been in the band, that's always been my mo inside of the band, and I I, I can't change that. So I I wanted I wanted to end with with that in mind um at least my part in it okay you, can't, you know how, however it goes on from here you can only you can only do your part right in it, but that you know that's that's always been my thought i, I never want to be in a situation where I, I can't put my whole heart into it you know well and so now you're uh, almost patch, passing the torch to tedeschi trucks and again the almond brothers playing a huge role in your life that's how you and susan met tell me that story <clears throat> well i met her I think it was the second tour I ever did with the Almond Brothers in 1999. Susan was opening a month of shows, and we met in New Orleans at the same you know theater. What? I met my wife in the airport in New Orleans <laughs> while we were both doing some travel show. You know, it's a good town to meet people. <laughs> it is. If you can remember them the next That's morning. <laughs> I think, luckily, luckily for me, I had to work that night, so I remember most of the night. <laughs> but, you know, it, it was a, a, a great connection musically first, you know, and... I used to always joke with my band members. I was like, I'm, I'm not getting into another serious relationship unless she listens to Mahalia Jackson, John Coltrane. I had this long, impossible list. I was like, That'll, that should do it. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be careful what you wish for. <laughs> so, but it's been an amazing ride. I mean, it's been 15 years we've been together and two kids and multiple bands and multiple records now. And it's... Uh, you know, I, I think we enjoy being on the road and being together more than ever. And it's it's really brought our family closer, you know, being able to travel together, especially in the summertime when the kids are out of school, they're on the road with us. And it, before, it was really rare that all of us were together at the same time. Right. It was either I'm on a bus going one way, Susan's the other way, the kids are flying to see her, flying to see me, and it was, it was you know... Yeah, why it did it was, take you so long to form your own band? Because when you guys got married, I'm like, what a great idea, because your music... Yeah. is complimentary. Well, we were deep into our own things. I mean, I had my band, I had my solo band together before I joined the Almond Brothers, mm-hmm. and that never slacked off. It, it got stronger as it went, and Susan was deep into her career and music she had been building towards her whole life, and I didn't want to interrupt the flow of either one of them yet, you know. I wanted to wait till the timing was right. It's kind of the same with stepping away from the Almond Brothers. I, I felt like maybe at the 40th anniversary was the right time for me to step away, but just circumstances it didn't really didn't really happen that way i felt like there was it was more in the tank mm-hmm. and uh you know but you, you kind of know when when the time is right and with this band i was ready to to try something else separate from my solo band and i, I felt like it was maybe time for susan too so i came to her with the idea of you know if we're ever going to do it now's the time because I, I feel like at that point we were both still young and stupid enough to put an 11 piece like a big band and just go for it you didn't fire anybody right you just combined your two bands i mean there was there was guys from both bands that are not in this group so you know it was it was a tough decision because i've been with my guys for 15 years at that point i mean i was 14 when i put it together and close to 30 years old when i when we disbanded so um you know it's lifelong connections but I, i think everyone everyone understood and everyone knew that you know things change and time moves on and right. everybody's got to you, you got to follow the muse you know especially as a musician you never going back to the almond brothers thing you never want to be in a position where you're not 100% inspired because uh, whether people know it or not the the music can stay at a certain level but it's not going to feel the same and people people know when you're phoning it in or not <laughs> they yeah, might not know the intricacies but they know whether you mean it you know that's one of the things i love about the tedeschi trucks band shows it seems from an audience perspective that you guys are so dialed in to each other and really there's like an energy flow almost yeah. like i came out of the second city theater here yeah and you tune into your people and you Absolutely. know before someone does something you know where they're going and when you hit that 20 percent of the time when you're in that zone yeah it's it's so exciting to watch. Yeah. Now that, are there 
What's the worst thing about working with your wife? You know, I I don't know if there if Can there you is. Can you work away ever and just like chill? I don't know if I ever do that. Like I always feel like it's there, um, but but it's a great thing because it's something you love. It's not. I don't I don't ever feel burdened by by music or the band or any of that. I, I really do love it. Um, I mean, sometimes when we're home and away from it, I, I try to fully get away. But you're always thinking about it. You know, you're always thinking about. You hear something and it, 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 you store it away for later. It's, it's always, always there. I mean, I, I don't know if there's a worse thing about being on, on the road with your wife. I mean, sometimes, you know, any relationship things might get thick, but it, it's that way with band members too. It's worse <laughs> it's, with yeah. band members, right? Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't know if it's, if it's really any different. I mean, I, it forces us to, to be really open. It forces us. Our communication has to be wide open, which I think only makes it better. I, I think, actually, I know it's it's made our relationship better, and that, I think that makes the music stronger. You know, it's it's a family band. I mean, everybody, there's no higher guns in a band like this. Do you? What's your creative process? Do you write together? Do you bring finished ideas to each other to develop them together? How do, do you like sit around? It's like, all right, it's four o'clock. We got to write a song by seven. You know, sometimes we'll we'll schedule. Because there's so much going on in our lives with kids and other things that you kind of have to put aside time. Like we're going out in the studio and we're gonna we're gonna your, write your home studio. Yeah, yeah. Be so nice, right? yeah, we we do schedule time, but you're always coming up with ideas and putting something down on your phone or Susan will sing a line in. So you usually come with a few sketches, um, but a lot of times we'll have our friends down and we'll co-write. It'll be me, Susan, and one other person. Gary Loris from the Jayhawks, or Doyle Bramhall, or Eric Krasno from the band Soul Live, or uh-huh. John Leventhal. Different people we've met and become friends with over the years. We were just hanging with uh, David Hidalgo at that thing at Bonnaroo from Los Lobos. He's an amazing songwriter, and I want to try to get him down to the studio. I'd love to write with him. Because he, he uh, I think the music that he conceives of is right in Susan's wheelhouse and this band's wheelhouse. I think almost that Derek and the Dominoes thing. Like Los Lobos is one of the great American rock rock and roll bands. Mm-hmm. I, I think the music that that David has in mind would be great for this band. So I, I'd love to write with him. A lot of times it's it's being inspired by other people. Mike Madison, who's in the band, amazing You're songwriter. From your yeah. Derek band. So yeah, we we try to write with a lot of people. Some of them are, are just ideas you have, though. I mean. A song like The Storm, which is on the last record we did, was just this riff I had in my head forever, and eventually you just turn it into a song, you know. Sometimes it's something that comes out while you're improvising or soloing, there'll be a melody within it that you're like, that, it sticks with you, and you sometimes... Uh, so you'll take something that you may be improvising a concert and it can be rework a, it into a absolutely. tune down the road? Sometimes the band will find these grooves in the middle of a show that you've never played before and it's so strong you realize that you know that's a that's a part of a tune so you you try to catalog these things in your head at all times uh-huh. sometimes at soundcheck we'll be playing something that that just happens and you'll see a few people go to their phones and hit record and it'll be six months later and you'll oh yeah you remember oh that's great we got to do something <laughs> with that so you're constantly finding little little gems laying around <laughs> uh to, i don't want to take up any more of your time uh but this is a food and a travel show so tell me Tell me cities you like to go to that are fun to be in and fun to eat in. Well, they, what, what you, what, I got to say, one of the beauties of traveling with this band is there are some there's some serious foodies in the band and uh, serious. I don't want to say expensive winos, but <laughs> <laughs> this band likes to eat and drink, and we eat or eat and drink our way through America and the world. <laughs> and do you travel with a chef, or you go out and you find the cool oh, no, places? We, yeah, that we we search it out. You know, we we do a lot of. If we have a day off, we do a lot of research online and try to find these hole in the walls or whatever's good. And ever been to Gus's Chicken in Memphis? No, I, I've heard about this place, so pretty amazing. I think it's the best chicken in America. All right, I'll remember that. Where do you go when you're in Chicago here to eat? What do you, what do you look forward to? Chicago is a, a tough one because there's so many good restaurants. Like we, we just kind of wander and eat. I haven't spent as much time in Chicago as, as other cities. One of my favorite food stories. It's not in the states, but we found this place in Paris called uh, Le Petit Canard, and they serve duck. <laughs> and it's, it's duck every way possible. And I wasn't a big duck fan, but we, Mike Madison, told us about it, and we roll in there, and. Uh, most places in Paris, when you when an American band comes in or an American family or whatever, you get a little. They vibe. spit your food. Yeah, <laughs> man, they don't love it. But this place, it immediately felt different, and uh, 
so we we ate there once me mike susan and maybe one other band member and it was such a good experience that after our show um at the olympia in paris we it was maybe 11 o'clock no maybe 10 45 the place closed right around 11 we called like sure come on in <laughs> we roll in with the full band most of the crew right before 11 and you see the chef's head poke out the back and just discuss like all the Americans. <laughs> so we come in and but then the vibe kind of loosens up bottles of wine are flowing there's a piano in the room Kofi ends up at the piano the whole band singing the owner the chef everyone's out it's three in the morning it ended up being one of the greatest nights <laughs> to the point where we realize that we have a train to catch in about an hour our stuff is still at the hotel so it's this mad dash to the hotel to the train but so every time we go back to Paris, we, we make it a point to visit that place. It's, it's really an amazing experience if you, if you ever get a chance. I mean, there's so much good food there. But um, an, another place that we always try to hit when we're down rehearsing in Jacksonville, there's this place called uh, Beach Road Chicken, speaking of chicken places. And it's, I think it's the oldest uh, restaurant in, in the city. It's been there since the 30s. Well, I, I always used to go after baseball games as a kid. We'd go... But we, we take the full band in there and take that place over, and it's family style. Uh-huh. You, you order, and they just bring piles of chicken, piles of sides, and pretty great Next spot. time you're in Memphis, it's it's down by where the riverboats dock, yeah. and it's a shitty, white, cinder block place, surly service, but the chicken is, is I'm, incredible. I'm in, the, the other one we did recently, JJ, our drummer, is from uh, Austin, Texas. And uh, he'd been telling us about Franklin's Barbecue, and he's like, well, you oh, got to get up early, you got to stand in line. And, you know, so we did it after a show. Everyone's a little hurt, and it's early, and we've been up late. And I'm like, JJ, this better be worth it, man. This is <laughs> it's hot out here. And they're serving beer in line. Like, they know right. they know their clientele. But it, it, was, uh, it was well worth it. So now when we go to Austin, we recruit people to stand in line and bring barbecue ribs to the bus <laughs> in exchange That's for That's where the tickets. perks of being a rock star, right? <laughs> we'll give out tickets for ribs. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, we eat our way through America. It's, it's pretty wonderful. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to see what, from the outside, looks like a really fantastic and exciting life. Uh, sounds like it really is. It is, man. We're, we're really fortunate to do what we do and, and love it and... The, the music is, is growing and getting better and the, the vibe and the hang is growing and getting getting better and it's not always the case I mean I've been in and around a lot of bands and uh, it's, it's hard to keep that momentum and th- this thing has naturally been on the right path really from the start so you know you gotta you gotta nurture it you gotta stay on it but it's uh I got a good feeling about it. Well, it, you, you guys are fantastic. I'm so happy that you're uh, here tonight, and I really appreciate you taking the Thank time you, to sir. talk to me, man. All right. Thank you very much. Have a great show tonight. Yes, sir. I had no idea that the Almond Brothers were listening to Thelonious Monk and all that freaky music. You'd think that they would just listen to Molly Hatchet and shit. No, see, they listen to everything. Well, because they're great musicians. They really are. There's something, it's like watching a great improv show or watching a great live performance of any kind. 70% of the time, it's good because they're professionals. But every once in a while, you know, everyone's in a great mood and they're jiving together and something happens on stage live that's different and special and you can feel it. Every time I saw Stevie Ray Vaughan, it was like that. Uh, he was just not physically there when he was playing. His, he was channeling something else. Um, Van Morrison is great half the time you see him. The other half the time, he's okay. But when Van Morrison is great, he's amazing. And, and the Tedeschi Trucks Band are fantastic. I want to thank Derek for uh, taking time out of his busy day to talk to us. They're coming to your town this summer. Go see them. They will put you in a summer-loving frame of mind. And then once you are in a summer-loving frame of mind... Well, I wonder... I don't think their planes have the services <laughs> that we're going to talk Probably to Captain not. Dave about. Once you're in a summer loving uh, frame of mind, then you go see Captain Dave McDonald at FlamingoAir.net. He flies out of Cincinnati, Ohio, takes people up in his uh, private airplane, closes the curtain, and people get busy. Well, let's let him say it. You talk too much. All right. Let's let's hear from him. Captain Dave, welcome to a Fork on the Road show. Hi, Captain. How are you today? Oh, we're doing great. Good, good, good. You, uh, this is our summer loving episode, so we're we're going to be talking to um, we talked to uh, Derek Trucks from the Tedeschi Trucks Band, who travels the world with his wife, making music and having fun, and uh, we're talking about other fun things to do during the summer. And 
Your your <laughs> life sounds like it's fun. Yeah, for for people that don't know, Captain Dave uh, flies out of Cincinnati, Ohio, and he takes people up in an airplane so that they can join the Mile High Club. Is that accurate? In a manner of speaking, yes, it is. <laughs> now, I got to be honest with you. We do not market it as the Mile High Club. Okay. Are you literally a mile high? Do you fly that high? In a, you, you fly a private plane, right? Not a yeah, jet? That's, that's correct. Sure, we do. Um, but but I'll, I'll tell you what's really amazing about this business and, and what nobody really realizes. This is strictly a female market. Um, really? I've been, Oh, I've been doing this for over 20 years. I've done thousands of these flights. And so far, I've had less than a dozen men book them. So it's strictly a female market. The ladies are all about the romance. So, Well, we- yeah, nobody wants to join the Mahai Club in a an airport bathroom. Oh, that's not true. I, I think every every guy wants. First of all, every guy wants to be in the Mile High Club just because it means that you're having sex. <laughs> it's not the most comfortable. It's not the most uh, ideal. But you know, it's a bucket list thing, right, Captain? There you go. But but see, you hit the nail on the head. Every guy wants to join the Mile High Club, but every woman wants a romantic airplane ride. Ah. That's how we market it. Because the guys aren't booking it, the ladies are. So, when, how long have you, what is the service called? Oh, it's, we call it our Flights of Fancy. Okay, and you've been doing it out of Cincinnati. Is Cincinnati a, a particularly sexy city? <laughs> well, it got started as a dare, if that tells you anything. If, if you're in the airplane game, you do what's called hangar flying. That's when you're usually sitting around talking about flying rather than actually doing it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, it, you're not in the game very long before the topic of airborne romance comes up. Right. And uh, I'm, I've been a salesman all my life. I, I love to sell myself and anything else, you know. And, and, and I said, well, you know, I could make that work here in Cincinnati. I could, I could make that that a, a viable business. And well, they said, no, nah, there's no way. Cincinnati's way too conservative. That's what I would think. I, I, that, yeah. I, I figured you were doing this out of Las Vegas when I read the article in Travel <laughs> and Leisure. Yeah, so of all places, Cincinnati. Well, that was that was like throwing down the gauntlet. So <laughs> I said, I'll show you jokers. And I started it. And that was back in 1991. And I'm still rocking and rolling here today. And, and yes, Cincinnati is a very conservative area, providing it's out in the open. But once you close the doors, <laughs> all bets are off. <laughs> well, really, Captain? So it's like uh, I did a movie in Salt Lake City, and in public, the Mormons are all very, very, very proper, but you get them alone and in private, different story. Oh, absolutely. Sure. So tell me what this, tell me how this works. A woman calls you up, and what happens? Well, and, uh, you know, they, they usually ask the same question, tell me a little bit about it. Well, and what it comes down to is you get one hour in a private curtained off aircraft and, and folks it's, it's just as cute as the dickens we take out the whole center <laughs> as the what it's cute, cute as what the dickens ah you never heard that have you? no i just think it's a great word for you to use given your particular line you know line of service <laughs> but uh we take out the whole center row of seats and that's all filled with big fluffy cushions and you get champagne and chocolates and souvenirs Champagne and, course, and chocolate. Wait, what kind of souvenirs? What do they look like? Condoms. Are, are they air <laughs> condoms? No, no. It's Well, you get a, a nice certificate uh, testifying to the fact that you have joined this this ancient and, and uh, <laughs> revered organization, this group, this club. And, and well, no, wait, 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 Captain. The, the, the group can only be 110 years old, right? The Wright brothers made their first flight in, what, 04? 1904, but, but it was actually the first record, the first known romantic flight took place, I believe it was 1917, mm-hmm. and a fellow by the name of Sperry, of the Sperry Rand Corporation, took a young lady up for a flight lesson. Things got a little frisky, they, <laughs> <ended> up, <laughs> they put the plate in a 
swamp or something. <laughs> and they were both okay. And it was shortly thereafter he invented the autopilot. <laughs> Is that a true story? That's a true story. <laughs> so the autopilot is because some guy wanted to be able to get a Hummer while he was flying a plane. I love it. Exactly right. So yeah, you can look that up. That's fact. I believe you because you're a captain. So that's that's where that's where the the first known uh, incident took place. I suspect, and this is just speculation on my part, but. Uh, probably somebody tried it in a hot air balloon somewhere along the line before there was powered flight. Oh, some stinky Frenchman, maybe. Yeah, po po possibly, but there's there's no recorded uh, um, notations of that happening. All right, so Sperry does the first love flight in 1917. We flash forward to the 90s, and and now you're doing it. Are people when they when they when they book the flights, are they shy? Are they, you get swingers? Do you get people that are virgins? Tell me some fun stories. You know, mo most of our customers, you would think, stepped right out of a young Republicans club. <laughs> I, mean, no kidding, I didn't think people. Republicans had sex. Yeah, well, they are They are straight-laced. They are, I mean, you see these folks, they're just regular people. Now, they're generally the folks that they've already been through the heart-shaped bed and the themed hotel rooms, all this business. So, I mean, their biggest problem is topping this. I mean, you know, uh, the romantic flights are incredible. Right. So, anyway, uh, they'll, they'll call up. You know, generally, they're not a bit shy about it. Um, Frankly, they tell me way more than I really want to know. And, uh, How far are you as the pilot from the lovemaking and merriment? I'm probably six feet up front uh, with a heavy curtain between us. Huh. So there's no wall. It's just a curtain. Correct. And I'm wearing headsets. And uh, unless I have a screamer on board, I don't hear anything. <laughs> unless somebody's, you know, pounding on the... How often do you have a screamer? Well, occasionally. I've been shot in the back of the head with a champagne car. I've had high heels in my ear. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, All in a day at the office, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm one of the only pilots in town that need a cigarette when they land. <laughs> Make sure you tip your stewardesses, ladies and gentlemen. But to be real honest, I mean, there, there's a lot of privacy. We're engaged in flying the airplane. And frankly, what goes on behind the curtains is none of my concern. Somebody has to fly the plane. Right, right. Have you ever been invited to join? Yes, I have. Dave! But, but I haven't. Do you, do you have autopilot? Yes, I do. No, no, <laughs> further, no further questions. Let me, tell you, let me tell you about my very first mile-high flight. And it was, it was set up by one of the, our more outrageous radio stations in Cincinnati. And it was a blind date. Oh well, my. I got to the airport uh, to set the airplane up, and there was a pickup truck sitting in the parking lot. There's a couple in there. Man, they were they were <laughs> getting along quite well. <laughs> I didn't think any any more of it. I went ahead. I got my airplane set up, and I'm waiting. Uh, turns out this is this is my couple. So these two had never laid eyes on each other until they got to the airport. Wow. So anyway, remember, this is fun. It's laid back. It's, it, you, you have a good time. If, if you don't have a sense of humor, yeah. this is for you. It's you know? something different. Yeah, exactly. So I'm getting them in, and I said, now, you got to keep your seat belts on. Well, before I can move the airplane, I said, once we're airborne, you can take those seat belts off, kick back, and relax. Okay. So I got them in, and I keep the curtain open so I can talk easier back and forth while we're taxiing out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm pulling on out, and the lady says, uh, you can leave that curtain open if you want. Oh, my. <laughs> I said, well, no, that's okay. It's policy. I closed the curtain. I said, I won't close it until we get, get up to the run-up area, and we're ready to take off. Oh, Okay. A couple minutes later, I got I got the question you just asked. You got an autopilot in this thing? <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, well, I'll do you too. Oh! So now I'm rattled. <laughs> but again, 
laughing it off, just having, yeah, hell, having a good time. So we get up, and I'm doing what's called a run-up. This is this is so the, is she. This is the <laughs> final checklist, making sure all the systems are operable before we take off. So I turn, <laughs> turn around, close the curtain, say, "Here we go, folks." But it was too late. <laughs> I, they were done going for the gold. So <laughs> they were I done was, already. Yeah, pretty much so. That was my first one, and they didn't even make it to the end of the runway. Wow, that is not a good advertisement for the guy. No, it's not. It's not. So they're not really in the Mile High Club. They weren't, but anyways. Did they get the certificate? Yeah, I I hope you didn't give them the certificate. That's why well, didn't he have the certificates then? Oh, oh there you go. Very I, first one, it was experimental. <laughs> but, but it went from there, and it's it's turned into a business that is so strong that we literally quit doing charter. Uh, this, keeps us, this keeps us busy, and uh, it has worked out to be quite an interesting business. I bet. Are you married? Yes, sir, I am. And what does your wife feel about your business? She works it with me. Fantastic. Um, And this is how I can't believe this is happening in Cincinnati. I would have bet a million dollars that you lived in Las Vegas. Well, see, we do we do other things here as well. Um, Flamingo Air, that's that's the air carrier side of it. And that's you know, that's what handles most of these these flights and all of this. Mm -hmm. We also have a, a flight school and we have an airline dispatchers certification school which is frankly we're the largest in the world mm. um we've got yeah but that's not the fun part and are you, yeah when you're teaching your pilots are you teaching them to fly these, He's teaching these them to bang focus. wagons or you're teaching them just to fly no no we just teach them to fly do you teach them to no. focus exactly <laughs> are there other services like yours in different cities around the country or is cincinnati it well they're there was one I helped set up in Georgia. I don't believe he's operating anymore. There was one. I think I'm the only person that does this as a full-time business. And uh, others have tried it. Um, but they just couldn't keep it up. They can't. Well, that's that's one way to put it. But um, the, the problem is, and I try to tell them, do not go out advertising this as the Mile High Club telling you it's a female market they're not going to go for it and I it's think too cra- you're saying it's too crass to market it that way. <laughs> yeah every one of them do that and they don't last any time at all because we've done we've done the romantic champagne uh helicopter thing at you know dusk here in la but uh-huh. in, a, in a helicopter there's yeah, no, no room but to, that was to not boogie. no and still you don't that was not, there were two pilots and there's no curtain. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying, but you know, right. I, I, what, what I think Dave is saying is if you market it as a place to go get laid, you're marketing to men and men aren't going to, they're not looking for the service. But if you market it as a lovely romantic way to get close to your mate, he's got a line of broads out the door. Well, women know it's not just a romantic thing. They know it's a little bit more and you know, they, I guess they want to spice the relationship. It's something completely different to do. What okay. about, has this ever happened? A couple shows up and the, you know, one of them does not want to take this flight and the other one does and they just they don't even screw they just argue and then you land i've never had that happen but i have had five cases out of thousands where the man was foolish enough i mean what kind of a moron does it take to turn this offer down Three of those I know as an absolute fact resulted in divorce. Um, what, now, the, the wife said, I want to take this plane ride, and the guy said no? Oh, yeah. She booked it. She had it ready to go. Hey, uh-uh. Ain't going to do it. Now, here's the way the game works. If the lady books the trip, there's not, I mean, we might be stupid, but we ain't dumb. <laughs> you don't turn that down. Right. If the guy books the trip, he really better know what he's doing because these are non-refundable. Right. So if she says, uh-uh, he's got a real expensive airplane ride on his hands. Right. You know? So um, the ladies... Like, so, like if a guy calls you, he can't get over on his lady, and he, you know, what can I do to get to her pants? Oh, I'll take her up in the airplane without getting her consent. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. liable to be in for a huge surprise. Wow. Or not, as the case or may not. be. But... Uh, 
But what? We've, done, we've done a couple of weddings in the airplane. Oh, I was I was going to ask you. Are you, you that. you're a licensed? Uh, you can marry people. I actually can, but oh. I don't. We t- we take a we take a. Um, so you can get leave. married and have part of the honeymoon there. Oh, you can yeah, you can consummate the marriage and get married. Well, there you go for those quickie weddings. Yeah. Generally, they have the minister on board, and uh, you know. They, but then you they, can't consummate so unless the minister is part get of it. Consummated. <laughs> <laughs> unless the minister is up to it. I have to circle the area where the the justice of the peace has jurisdiction. So. You know, oh really. <laughs> Yeah, really. If they're licensed in Kentucky, uh, say in Kenton County, why circle around the county for a while? (laughs) You know, until they get the marriage ceremony done. And how long? We we do that. We do. We we've done anniversaries. We do engagements. Uh, I I've done a I've done a fiftieth anniversary, and yes, they did. I'll answer your question at the front end. Wow! Really? Good for them. Yeah. And uh, it just you know it's really. just across the Someone's board. calling your love line. Um, <laughs> Captain me, Dave's love line. Let me turn this thing down. I'm sorry. Usually <laughs> okay. the phones kick off by now. but um, So we do just all sorts of things. I've, I've given more little kids their first airplane ride than you can shake a stick at. And then, you know, oh, we, you've we created do little kids as well, I imagine. Right, yeah. You've, <laughs> you've created kids and given them rides. I, I do have one. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! It happened, yeah, and they, my airplanes named Amelia, and uh, that's what they named the child. Was oh, Amelia. that's Aww. cute. <laughs> uh, there's this company called Air Combat USA that has two World War II area or, or, or eh, probably Vietnam era fighter planes, and they go around the country to GA airports, and right. you can rent. The, you're familiar with the company. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I know them quite well. They come in here once or twice a year. Right. They take take this thing. You can go up in the air and you can have an actual dogfight with a stranger or a friend, and it's an awesome thing. I would think that you could do the same thing. You could take your love wagon and, you know, say, I'm going to be in Atlanta for two weeks, and I'm going to be in Chicago for two weeks. And, uh, and give us a call when you're a in nice little, yeah, get, Give a nice little tour, you know, give people the opportunity around the country to do that. Is that something that... Uh, you could do, or do you need some sort of special well, certification? No, no, you need no special certification, nothing. I mean, it's federal, so you don't have to worry about, you know, going to a different state or anything like that. Uh-huh. We've looked at it very closely, but the marketing on it is difficult. And given the given the scope of our other businesses, where we really make a lot of money, uh, we just can't take the time to hop around the country. Got it. Like that. Well, I have, uh, I have one final question for you, and I'm going to rely on your expertise uh-oh. and your opinion. Wait, wait. Before you ask that question, because it sounds very final, I want to ask, what are some of the weird requests that you've gotten when they call in to ask you? Oh, my God. There's, there's, I, I can't say they're weird, but... Every time I think I've heard it all, somebody comes up with something different. <laughs> um, I, I had a couple show up for a mile-high flight, and they had a picnic basket with them. And as it turns out, they told me, they said, you can take the curtain down if you'd like. We can see better. They said, we have eight kids, and all we really want <laughs> the piece is of a quiet. lunch together in peace <laughs> they had their picnic basket and to them that was the perfect romantic flight they they had peace and quiet they had their lunch and, and that's all they wanted so so that was something very different you know that that we normally run and don't run into well, now what is it how long are your flights and what do they cost they're they're one hour they cost 425 bucks that's not great that's not bad for like a special anniversary or something Oh, it's, you know, yeah, it's it's wonderful. Yeah. All right, here is my, I want your professional opinion on this, Cap- All right. Captain David. All right. It is a mile-high question. Okay. Uh, my friend, James Palumbo, he's a uh, an actor. Ooh, can you say his name? I just did. Oh, I... Uh, uh, no, different guy. We'll, we'll talk about a different guy. Yeah, we'll bleep his, that out. His name is, my friend, Jimmy, is an actor and comedian, and he travels quite a bit. That guy- know who he is when you say my friend Jimmy actor and doesn't matter this happened a long time ago long before he was married he sitting on he he used to fly on uh, a friend pass a friend of his worked for a major airline in America so he'd fly on this friend this friend pass and one time he's all you have to dress up in a suit and he's sitting in the airplane and this hot girl comes stumbling down the aisle 
Five minutes after takeoff, he's standing back by the bathroom on a commercial flight during the day. She grabs him by his tie and says, hi, what's your name? He says, my name's Jimmy. She pushes open the bathroom door, pulls him inside, slams the door, and he says within 30 seconds, they're naked and messing around. That, that record will never be touched in the modern era, certainly. So they, he's fumbling with getting her clothes off. He applies the condom for safety, and they begin to have intercourse. I'm keeping this very clinical because I know you are a professional. Absolutely. Indiscreet. Right. <laughs> so they are beginning intercourse. However, Jimmy, does, because it was aggravating and it was too small and it, the place was cramped, Jimmy could not achieve landing, if you know what I mean. Yet he says he's in the Mile High Club. I say, no, that you have to finish the job. He says, all you got to do is break the plane to be in the Mile High Club. I say you have to complete the act. I turn to you as an expert. Who is Jimmy in the Mile High Club or is he not? Well, I would have to say not. Yes. <laughs> because, I mean, there's, you know, you, you can satisfy one another in other ways than that. Right. So she's in the Mile High Club, but he's not. Well, maybe she is, maybe no. he, I don't. I don't think either one of them uh, finished their business. Alex were failing, the, 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 nothing happened that way. But. <laughs> If you, if you know what I mean, but but I can I can pride myself in saying that I never return my customers in a fully upright position. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> Dave, you are delightful. If we ever get to Cincinnati together, we will look you up and we will book your flight. It sounds like not only a fun time, but uh, it sounds like you would be a real fun guy to go flying with. I'm gonna be looking forward to it. Now, where, if you don't mind me asking, where are you guys located? Are you out on the West Coast? Yeah, our yeah. studio's here in Los Angeles, Los but Angeles. We, I, I do a lot of shows around the country, so we travel quite a bit. Yeah, I get I get through LA every now and then. I've I attend the board meeting uh, usually out in uh, Newport Beach. Oh, nice. Is it too far from you? You never know when the captain might call. Oh, captain, <laughs> please, if you're out here with your airplane, give us a call. We'd love to to. Uh, Take it up for a whirl. In the meantime, where can people find you and book you? Well, we are at flamingoair.net. And uh, so if you're folks, if you're anywhere near Cincinnati and uh, you're feeling frisky, call Captain you know Dave. That's right. Dave, yeah. thank you so much for joining us Thanks, from uh, flamingoair.net. You guys take it easy. Have a wonderful evening. He's like an air pimp. <sighs> No. Do you think he stands outside clubs and opens up his coat and goes, hey, those are keys to an airplane? No, no, he doesn't. What about the poor loser who couldn't even keep it keep it down long enough to get off the runway? <laughs> he got off on the runway. So he didn't get a certificate? I would hope not. No, he didn't. Well, he said he didn't have them, but I would hope if that ever happens again, he would have the professional decency not to award that person a certificate. And, my buddy Jimmy, it's official. A pilot has now said you are not in the Mile High Club. I'm sure he's going to love hearing that. Well, I know he's listening to this because he's a big Derek Trucks fan. So, uh, what can I say, Jim? You are uh, you may get booted out of the Hall of Fame. All right, that is it. That is our summer loving episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you missed it, well, you didn't miss this one because you just heard it. But if you've missed any of our old shows, you can go back and listen to us on iTunes or SoundCloud or go to our own webpage, which is a forkontheroadshow.com. You can also get discounts on hotels and airfare and all kinds of interesting information to help you plan some romantic summer travel. So until next week, I'm Mark DeCarlo. And I'm Traveling Diva. And we'll see you on a fork on the road.
nigga, turning the page. 